You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. As I walk up the stairs, I see my son run by in a long sequin Elsa dress, complete with heels, wand, and a blonde ponytail. He yells, hi, Papa. Look, I'm a princess. Well, I guess my Aunt Carol was right after all. I am part of the gay agenda. I got married to a dude, adopted a baby, and now I'm raising my son to be a girl. You're listening to Houses on the Moon podcast. The unheard voice. Amplified. 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 Making a home for stories in uncharted space since 2001. This is Jeffrey Solomon, co-founder of Houses on the Moon Theater Company in New York City, and have I got a story for you. When their son wants to dress up as Princess Elsa, of course, these two gay dads from New York City are cool with it, right? In Luca's Journey, Carlos Insinius tells the true story of parenting a gender atypical child with his husband and the resistance they encounter from surprising places. Houses on the Moon Theater Company did these amazing storytelling workshops and performances called Transformation, exploring gender identity and family, and I'm so happy to have one of our storytellers from that workshop here with us today, Carlos Insinius, who's going to tell you his true story, Luca's Journey. Hey, Carlos. Hey, Jeffrey. How are you? I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you warmed up? <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> also joining us is Judy Senesh, representing our community partner on this project, PFLAG New York City. Judy leads their Trans Families Project, a support group for parents, family, and friends of people who are transgender or gender nonconforming. Hi, Judy. Hi, Jeff, and hi, Carlos. Great to be here with both of you. After Carlos's story, we'll speak about the creative process and family and gender identity issues with Carlos and Judy, so stick around. And now, here's Carlos Insinius telling his story, Luca's Journey. I'm coming home from a long day of work, and I go upstairs to pick up our 18-month-old son, Luca, from our friend Margot's apartment. Luca's there with his best friend, Juliet. Luca loves everything Juliet, from her long blonde hair to her spunky sense of humor, all the way to her dolls, dresses, shoes, and clothes. If it sparkles or is pink, Luca is obsessed. As I walk up the stairs, I see my son run by in a long sequin Elsa dress, complete with heels, wand, and a blonde ponytail. He yells, hi, Papa, look. 
I'm a princess. Now, this isn't the first time I've seen my son in a dress, but for some reason today I noticed something different. My stomach drops, my anxiety shoots through the roof. I force a smile and give him the thumbs up. That's great, honey. After a bit of a struggle getting the Elsa costume off, we descend the stairs and enter our apartment. I kiss him a little longer and harder than usual, and I ask him how his day was. He responds, "Great, Papa, because I'm Princess Elsa." Later that evening, after getting our boys to bed, I sit with my husband Joe on the couch and I share my encounter with Princess Elsa. I tell Joe how Luca was just beaming and so proud of himself. Joe chuckles and says, "Yeah, I saw him in the tutu last week, and he looks so happy and free. And by the way, his legs look pretty fierce in that tutu." We have a good laugh, and then there's a long pause. Joe finally asks, "What do you think this means? Do you think Luca could maybe be transgender?" Hearing the word helps release the knot I have in my stomach, but. Also unleashes the rest of my fears. Our son already runs the risk of experiencing a great deal of discrimination in his life, given he is living in a house with two dads who are also a different race. On top of the fact that he is adopted, I myself was bullied quite a bit as a young kid for being effeminate and playing with mainly girls. So the last thing I want is to possibly open up my precious son to the same sort of treatment. Joe starts nervously biting his nails and says, "If he's transgender, we will never hear the end of this from my dad." My husband comes from a loving but traditional Long Island Italian family. His father did not say the word "gay" for more than a decade after Joe came out, and still refers to me, although lovingly, as Joey's friend Carlo. When we mentioned to his parents that we were seeking to adopt and open to adopting kids of color, a huge argument broke out. On my side of the family, when I told my mother that we wanted to have children, she responded, "Oh, honey, why would you want to do that? You guys have your careers and lives. You don't want to ruin all that." I knew this was coming from her discomfort with two men parenting a child, not from a lack of love, but all the same, it hurt. And then there's my aunt Carol, who not only refused to come to our wedding, but boycotted our presence at any family function. I tell Joe, "Well, I guess my aunt Carol was right after all. I am part of the gay agenda. I got married to a dude, adopted a baby, and now I'm raising my son to be a girl." We laugh, but our fear is real. What does this mean for Lucas' future? How would we deal with this? Do we support him and help him have access to dolls and dresses, or do we try and guide him towards things that are gender appropriate? If this is a phase, could it pass? I asked Joe, "Do you think because Luca is growing up without a mother, that perhaps dressing up is somehow his way of trying to become the woman figure that isn't a part of his experience?" We both remain silent. But the voices from our families keep ringing in our heads. Maybe two men shouldn't be parenting children. Is there something that we did that made Luca this way? Maybe this is our fault.
So babe, what do we do? I asked Jill. Maybe we ask Margot to hide the dresses, he responds. And maybe we shouldn't let him watch any princess shows and limit all the girl play when he's upstairs. I wonder if Joe is right. Maybe we just need to guide Luca in the right direction, expose him to more boyish things like trucks and Legos. Let's give it a try, I say. I'll text Margot and ask her to hide all the girly stuff when Luca comes upstairs, and no more My Little Pony or Let It Go. We both feel a sense of relief, like we've made the right decision. Well, as you can imagine, this doesn't work at all. Luca gets creative and learns to use clips and rubber bands to make some pretty impressive gowns and wigs out of dishcloths, towels, and baby blankets. One Saturday, after taking my weekly yoga class, I pick up Luca from the nursery and he is gleaming with pride and says to me, look, Papa, where shall paint my nails? Luca's nails were bright pink, purple, red, and all very shimmery. My stomach sinks and I immediately start sweating, but I force a smile and I give him the thumbs up. Awesome, buddy. Now we live in Astoria, Queens, in a traditional neighborhood full of old Greek and Italian men smoking on the streets. There are tons of small family-owned businesses that we frequent, many of whom have seen our kids grow up. They have shown us nothing but love. However, one assumes there is a line which should not be crossed, and in my mind, my son has just crossed this line. As we leave the gym to make our eight-block walk home, I am terrified we are going to see the usual cast of characters and that they are going to believe that we have finally pushed our gay agenda too far by allowing our son to paint his nails. Sure enough, we round the corner and the old Greek guy who owns Zorba's diner is sitting outside. Luca runs up to him and flashes those brightly painted nails and says, Look, I paint my nails. To which he says... Oh, very nice, Lucas. Very nice. One block further down the road is the hardware store owner, Mr. Bartunic, dressed in a Mets baseball cap, weathered khakis, chain smoking. He couldn't be any more queens if he tried. He sees us as we approach, smiles, and once again, Luca shows off his gym manicure, to which the guy tips his hat, smiles, and says, Hey, looking good, kid. Like those colors you got. Lastly, our new neighbor Stefanos, who has two young children, is outside sweeping the sidewalk as Luca shares his freshly painted hands. Stefano says, Wow, where can I get that done? Those are awesome. I rush Luca in our front door and I slam it shut. What just happened? Had I projected my fear of being judged onto all of these people? Had I allowed my fear to stifle the beautiful expression of my innocent, gorgeous, and free-loving little child? From that point on, we learned to follow our Luca's lead. The change happened slowly for us and gradually, but our home became a place where Luca could express himself free of gender rules. We allowed him to spend his Christmas money on a gorgeous Elsa gown. We ordered him a purple wig for his next birthday, let our girlfriends gift him makeup and high heels. And although there was some occasional discomfort for us, Luca knew that his butch little brother Marco, Papa and Daddy were his biggest fans when he would do a fashion dance party, even if he insisted on playing Lady Gaga's bad romance every time. We followed Luca on his journey, and within the walls of our home, 
We knew we could protect him and keep him safe. However, when he stepped into school, it was a completely different story, which is why our hearts stopped when Luca at age six announced, Papa and Daddy, I'm going to be Hermione Granger for the Halloween parade at school. I shot a look at Joe. I saw his face go white. My stomach immediately started churning and I felt anxiety rush through my body. We had discovered that some kids at school had been calling him a girl and Miss Luca and making Luca absolutely dread going into school on a daily basis. Although we had spoken to the staff and they were attempting to support him, we were terrified about what could happen if he went into school dressed as a girl. I say, Luca, that's a great idea, but how do you think your classmates will react, honey? Luca looks straight at me. I don't really care, Papa. I'm going to be Hermione. Joe sat down with us on the couch. Well, what if the kids who've been bullying you make fun of your costume? What are you going to say? Luca took a moment and said, I will tell them to mind their own business. I took Luca's hand. We are so proud of how brave you are. Halloween morning arrives. Luca and his brother Marco jump out of bed to get their costumes on. Marco gears up into Kylo Ren, and Luca gets into the Hermione light brown wig, the Hogwarts robe, and wand, and yells, Papa, I'm putting on my red lipstick and that glitter blush that Aunt Karen gave me. He comes out and presents himself to us. His little brother Marco announces, Papa, Daddy, Luca looks beautiful. We all agree that our glitter Hermione looks stunning and get ourselves into the car to head to school. We arrive at school, park, and walk the boys to their entrances. Before Luca leaves, I pull him tight and say, We love you, honey. Remember to be brave and stand up for yourself if anyone bullies you. He rolls his eyes and says, I know, Papa, I know, I'll be fine. We stand on the sidewalk watching him walk into school. Joe says to me, I cannot believe we just let our son go into school dressed in full drag. What if he walks in and totally falls apart? I take his hand and say, I think he's stronger than we think. We wait on the corner for the next 30 minutes for the Halloween parade to begin. And finally, one by one, the classes start to come out, spilling out a sea of Batmans, Super Marios, BB-8s, Luigi's, zombies, and angels. My legs are literally shaking with nerves, and then we see him round the corner. He is hand-in-hand with one of his classmates. She's a witch, and he is, well, glitter Hermione. He's beaming. His joy is palpable. When he sees us, he runs up to us and gives us the biggest hug. Through the tears which I am actively trying to hide, we clap, wave, and cheer for him. It was one of the biggest acts of faith to let our child walk into school that day but an act of faith that we have spent our whole lives learning. We sometimes still stumble figuring out how to support Luca, but he is free, loving, and confident. And at the end of the day, this is all that matters. Coming up, I'll talk to Carlos Insinius and Judy Senesh of PFLAG NYC's Trans Families Project. This is Houses on the Moon podcast.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is Houses on the Moon podcast. I'm Jeffrey Solomon. Oh, Carlos, it's a beautiful story. I just love that story. Thank you. Thanks for your help, Jeff. How fantastic. What a beautiful family story. Carlos... How would you describe Luca's gender identity? We've really just learned to take our lead from him. You know, we actually asked him once, I said, Luca, do you think maybe you could be a girl? And he goes, oh, no, 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 Papa, I'm a boy, I'm a boy. And then on a later, at a later time, we asked him about pronouns. We kind of introduced like, you know, he, she, and sometimes people feel like they're both genders and they could refer to themselves as they. And he kind of got this light in his eye. This light bulb went on. He goes, oh, I'm a Shahi. <laughs> and, um, and I said, well, that's perfect. That's kind of like, it's the best of both worlds. I will say now he's kind of, you know, he's nine and a half. And it's almost like he's gone a little into the closet with the, with his gender expression, his female gender expression. And this year was the first year he didn't want a female Halloween costume, which was a little devastating. <laughs> and, you know, he wanted to be, in, he and his brother wanted to be ninjas. And I said, you know, look, are you okay? That's great. That's great. But are you, do you maybe want like a wig or maybe like some ninja earrings? He's like, no, no, Papa, I'm fine. So he is in a state of ever evolving change. And I guess we're just here to support. <laughs> to pick up on that, do you worry that? choosing a more quote uh, traditional boy halloween costume is is somehow um him feeling ashamed or wanting to protect himself or do you think it's just being open to to all gender roles and unfortunately i think it's him protecting himself i think he's figured out where you know where's safe where's not safe he's figured out painting my nails and going to school is safe enough but maybe not wearing a wig or a little skirt, you know? So he's unfortunately, and the bullying has, has continued for him. Judy, I know you work a lot in schools with PFLAG, New York City's Safe Schools program, um, in part to really fight homophobia and transphobia and to make schools inclusive for all. Can you talk specifically, like what can we do to support, um, to support Carlos and Joe and, and Luca and families like them in New York City schools? Great question. PFLAG New York City has a very robust 
and very wonderful Safe Schools program. We have, for many years, sent speakers, volunteers, into New York City high schools and middle schools. And finally, this year, we are in elementary schools. We go in as teams. We generally send in one parent of an LGBTQ person along with an LGBTQ person. And all we do, all we do is share our own family stories. And it makes an amazing difference in the culture, in the school, in the kind of talk you hear in the hallways. We have schools that invite us back year after year after year. Uh, and we'd be really happy to get into Lucas's school if you just let me know. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> Judy, do you have any questions that you'd like to ask Carlos? Sure. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your struggle as two gay men, as parents, and as a couple, actually, in dealing with Luca's gender fluidity or identification as gender non-binary. And I'd love to hear how your families have adapted and navigated his journey. I mentioned Joe's father in in the story, and I will never forget, I think it was his 70th birthday. Um, Joe's mother had actually bought him this gorgeous little kitten dress from H&M for Christmas, which I don't think the dad knew about. But <laughs> in walks Luca to this Italian restaurant in Long Island in sparkle heels with this gorgeous little knee length um, dress. And Joe's dad's face just like went white and you know, unfortunately, Luca picked up on that and went to the bathroom and changed. Um, but, you know, giving people credit to and allowing people to change and evolve, I will never forget the day that Joe relayed to me that his father said, you know, Joey, it just comes inside that kid. It's just, it's just part of him. You know, he just, he acknowledged that this wasn't something Luca was putting on. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't for attention or whatever people may attribute it to be. It was part of part of him. It was coming from a need to express himself or be validated. You know, I don't know. I'll hopefully figure that answer out when he's older. But that was that was a little bit of, of progress, I thought, that Joe's father could um could acknowledge that this was such an organic need to express. Yeah. And I had a very similar experience with my mother, who we were terrified to share our news with. You know, her 20-year-old granddaughter was becoming her 20-year-old grandson. And my mom lived in Arizona. She was far away from us. We were able to sort of keep it under wraps <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> but eventually, I knew we had to do it. And I was shocked at how she was concerned about his health. She wanted to know if he was happy. But I think she embraced that terrible pronoun change that everybody struggles with faster than anybody in our family. Um, and I always, you know, obviously at, at our trans families meetings, topic the issues about grandparents come up all the time and everybody is afraid to break the news. And I always say to people, do not underestimate 
the old folks. Yeah, it just takes them a little extra time sometimes. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> which, is, which is understandable. Yes. Can I ask one more question? Since Luca was telling people or showing people who he believed he was when he was as young as 18 months old, did you get pushback from folks who said, how could a child that young possibly know that they're not a boy? Ah, that's a good question. I don't, I don't really recall any, you know, I think the pushback that he might've received at that, that young of age was really, maybe we didn't express it to him, but it was probably more from us, you know, like, is this a phase? Is this, you know, and honestly, the, the biggest thing, the biggest facilitator to help me come to terms with things was being a part of Houses on the Moon Transformation Night. Like, I will never forget sitting in that auditorium and just weeping with, you know, the beautiful stories of these people and their struggles and the parents and how, how similar and, uh, and, 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 you know, different our journey was. But I, I think it just allowed me to sort of face my fears head on. And I remember coming home and saying to Joe, like, we gotta, we gotta get this together. Like we need to get our, 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 our act together and figure out how to support this child. Carlos and Judy, I love spending this time with you. This has been so much fun and um, very meaningful. It's been great. And I think we should do another transformation storytelling workshop. Oh, that's a beautiful idea. Yeah, thank you for facilitating this conversation, Jeff. I think it's a really important conversation to be having. Okay, we'll talk soon, hopefully in person. All right. Carlos Encinias has appeared on Broadway in Le Miserable, Mamma Mia, Good Vibrations, and Scandalous, and off-Broadway in Altar Boys. With his husband, Joe, he founded the Red Brick Theater Project, which provides quality theater education for New York City families. Carlos is also a choreographer, director, and writer, and a proud member of the Houses on the Moon family of artists. You can visit him on the web at carlosencinias.com. Judy Senesh is PFLAG NYC board chair and founder and lead facilitator of the Trans Families Project. Her essay, A Blessing in Disguise, about being the mother of a transgender child, is included in the book Transitions of the Heart. Visit pflagnyc.org for more info. The Houses on the Mood podcast is produced by Will Coley, with original music by Raleigh Neal. Special thanks to the Lane Key Family Foundation and the Broadway Podcast Network for making this program possible. The artistic director of Houses on the Moon Theater Company is Emily Joy Weiner. The managing director is Kevin Connor. If you want to learn more about Houses on the Moon, please visit us on the web at housesonthemoon.org. Or follow us on Instagram. We're at Houses on the Moon. Or you can find us on Facebook as Houses on the Moon Theater Company. I'm your creative producer and host... Jeffrey Solomon. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep your ear to the ground, but also right here, right now, because we have a bonus track from our in-house composer, Raleigh Neal. Enjoy Luca's House.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.